0: No people find each other more absurd than lovers. This is Pints with Jack, season five, episode 23. The four loves, our Eros. Good morning, everyone. Pints with Jack is your favorite weekly CS Lewis podcast where three friends, Andrew, David and Matt break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season we're talking about love, slowly and deliberately working our way through The Four Loves, the book where Lewis writes about affection, friendship, romance, and charity. And since we've finished another chapter and another love, today is another special episode. In previous months, we've interviewed people with whom we share stalky affection and filial friendship, and it's now time for Eros Romance. Today, Andrew and I interview our wives, which explains the quotation at the beginning of the episode, which comes from The Great Divorce. No people find each other more absurd than lovers. And we begin with Mrs. Marie Bates. Mrs. Bates, welcome to Pints with Jack.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, it's rather unusual for a guest to invite another guest onto the show with them, So, would you please explain to the listeners who you have with you?
1: (laughs) I am joined by my partner in crime, the one who I am never without, Mr. Alexander Charbel Bates.
0: And he's with us because he decides he didn't want to sleep. (laughs) So, he's part of this interview as well. So, welcome, sir.
1: (laughs) He's not talking, but he has been talking. Yes. We are hoping he will not talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we asked people for questions, and there was lots of talk about asking us really awkward stuff, but nobody did. So... Oh.
1: (laughs) No. Alexander.
0: No, you can't ask questions. Not yet. Uh, People have asked about... (laughs) We're going to see if this works. Uh, People have asked about our courtship... (laughs)
1: part of the conversation. Okay, shh, shh, shh. Go ahead, Daddy.
0: Okay, uh, can you tell people about how we met, our courtship? Sure. Because uh, this chapter has all been about Eros, so yeah. tell the people how romantic I am.
1: Yeah, well, um, David and I met in about three um, and a half years ago. Is that correct?
0: Sounds about right, yeah.
1: And I had just finished a period of discernment I thought I might entertain the idea of religious life and I had just spent some time in a convent in Mexico and it was very clearly not my vocation and so beautiful though and a really good time of recollection but when I came back to the States um, I sort of just said this little prayer and said Lord if you." Want me to date, I'm open to it, and I'm not going to do anything, but I'm open to it, and... Ah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does not like that strategy. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, literally, within a week of me saying that prayer, I um, was I was at a talk one night at um, our Mother of Confidence in San Diego, and the talk was being given by this cute English man who was really, really funny, and I I didn't know if I liked, liked him like that, but I was interested in him, and so I stayed after the talk in a line to talk to him, but it was taking a long time because a lot of people lined up to talk to him, so I went and visited with my friends for a while, and I came back, and I was the last person in line at that point, point. and then David and I ended up chatting for maybe 15 minutes or so after, after that. And I just thought he seemed like a great person. Um, he quoted some poetry to me, Khalil Gabran. And <laughs> I, yeah, I really liked him. So, um, then I think what was next? You found me on Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause there was a sign in sheet. So I might've glanced over and seen, Which Marie's signed in, so I had your last name, so I found you on Facebook, like a stalker.
1: And then, uh, you know, he was trying to, you know, uh, subtly introduce the idea of lunch together, and I said I wanted to go to this English pub with him if he would take me, and so... um,
0: I have learnt that subtlety is mostly lost on Americans.
1: And especially on me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I said something along. We were talking about English food and I said, the only real place that I found that I like here in San Diego is Shakespeare's pub by the airport. And so what I was expecting her to say is, is to either indicate that she would really like to go sometime, hint, hint, or there would just be no follow up to that, in which case I know that I'm being friend zoned and we can just move on from there. Uh, but instead, what did you say? I think it was something along the lines of... I
1: won't go unless you take me. Yeah. He he told me about it, and I said, sounds great, I won't (laughs) go unless you take me, which is probably true. I don't know what else... uh, None of my friends hung out there, so I don't know what else would have drawn me down, except maybe I would have been intrigued at some point and gone and tried um, the food, but I'm really glad that we did go on that first date.
0: Well, let's talk about that first date. Uh, first of all, how many minutes late were you?
1: 20. <laughs> 20 minutes late, but uh, I was getting my nails done, so it was important. And then I realized after I'd known Mr. David Bates for a little bit of time that he cared little to none uh, for painted nails, so I probably could have forgotten that. But yes, I was late because I was getting my nails done. But I didn't tell him that, <laughs> uh, which is the key to success, Probably guys. a smart idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a great date. We I was pretty nervous, actually. And we had discovered that we had a bit of an age gap by that point.
0: Mm-hmm. I had dropped lots of subtle hints as we were chatting on Facebook about my age, just because I was pretty sure that you were a good bit younger than I was, and I wasn't entirely sure if you had twigged that I am... Um, Older than I look.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And David, I have aged him with (laughs) marriage and babies, but you still look younger than you are. But at the time, you especially looked younger than you were. So I thought you were, I think, 32 or something, which was, you know, not that far from. Anyway, we have an age gap. And I thought that was going to be a bigger deal than it actually is or was ever um,
0: really the only way in which that affects our relationship at all is that I will not reference various 80s TV shows,
1: <laughs> at
0: least until I've made you watch them yeah. on BritBox yeah. or on YouTube clips.
1: Yeah. I think you definitely have more, more references like that in your back pocket, but
0: also your mother kept a very tight leash on what TV you were allowed to watch.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> I watched a lot of trash.
1: Yeah, Thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was nervous, but we, conversation flowed, and yes. yes, baby, and pretty soon you and I started talking about the great divorce, because I had gone on a vacation basically right after I met David, and... Wasn't
0: it two? You had a wedding, and then something else. I, I was You gone came to for, Wisconsin, right? I was
1: gone for two... Yeah, I came to Wisconsin. I was gone for two weeks straight. And so I said, Yeah, I'd like to go out with you, but it'll have to be when. Yeah, I know, Mama's silly. But it'll have to be after I get back. And David patiently waited and we chatted and had actually a really fun conversation that way while I was gone. But I, David swears that I did this on purpose, but I truly did not. And I, I don't have a. The ability to trick anyone, David, and you know that, so you know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> but um, I had packed uh, the collected C.S. Lewis, which had a number of books in it. I think it had Screw Screw Tape letters, The Great Divorce, and some others. And you,
0: Alexander doesn't sound convinced.
1: <laughs> Alexander says The Great Divorce is his favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I went on vacation, we started talking about C.S. Lewis at some point, and you said The Great Divorce was your favorite. And then I said, I have it with me. I'll read it on vacation. It, you know, I love taking book recommendations to this day. I mean, that's
0: what, where I get... One of your love languages. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is one of my love languages. And so I read The Great Divorce that day. I was just home at my sister-in-law and brother's house, and I just sat on the couch and read it and thought it was really interesting and wonderful. And so we talked about that on the date and David later told me that that secured. Yes, baby. Yes. That secured me at least three dates or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, baby? It didn't
0: really matter how bad it went from there on in. I said what my favorite book in the world was. She read it in anticipation of our first date.
1: Yeah, we, we had a good start. And, you know, a really good sign when you meet somebody is that you really can't wait to see them again. And I loved our conversation, and I thought he was such a respectful and um, classy person when I met (laughs) him. And so I was itching to see him again. And so I think I suggested the next date or two dates later maybe. and I think um, I
0: suggested the next one and then... You yeah. recommend it. And I, the, the next few dates happen in fairly rapid succession. I still
1: It's think, blurry for me. Yeah,
0: me too. I'm pretty <laughs> sure at least on one day we had two dates. You so. know
1: what? I have all my texts still from that time, I think. Okay. Maybe, maybe. I Actually, I got an iPhone after we had been dating for a little while. So maybe not. But I'll look. I'll yeah. see if I can find one, the timeline. <laughs> one of the many
0: ways in which I improved your life. <laughs> Got you off that nasty Android nonsense. I
1: actually felt like he would like me more if I had an iPhone. And I was—I—I I thought, this is really materialistic, but I really care. <laughs> I really <laughs> want him to like me. So I just, I needed a new phone anyway. Mine had broken, and so I replaced it with an iPhone. But anyway.
0: And you weren't wrong.
1: No, I know. You did like me more after. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then... I think it was our third or fourth date. We went to Hooli's in San Diego, which is um, a pub that we took Alexander to recently.
0: Mm-hmm. But the um, bartender had to cut him off. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you, you too, you've had too much, man.
1: Yeah, milk drunk. <laughs> um, we went there. We had just this flowing conversation, and we were talking about things that mattered to us, and and you matter to us, um, and. I just kept thinking man I like him so much like he cares about all of the same things that I really care about and I was getting really excited and just enjoying being with David and that night was the first night that David held my hand and it was just it made my heart like <laughs> burst into a million pieces but um yeah that was the beginning and it was really fun and exciting and I don't know. I just, I can't recommend enough. If you don't have someone yet, ladies, just wait for somebody that makes you feel like that, that you can't wait to see again. Who's (laughs) Alexander (laughs) agrees. (laughs) Alexander agrees. Yeah. Wait for somebody who, who just makes you feel that wonderful and treats you so well.
0: One of the other questions I had down was, did we have any memorable dates?
1: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. We have a lot of memorable dates. My, you know what my favorite date I think that we've ever had was, it was for our one year together. I, we went on. A, <laughs> Alexander, you don't even know this story. You went here yet. <laughs> you goose? We went on a boat cruise in San Diego Bay, and we dressed up in fancy clothes, mm-hmm. and we ate delicious food, and we danced, and. We went under the Coronado Bridge several times.
0: And we were told that if we kissed underneath the Coronado Bridge...
1: We would be together for at least 80 years, Mm -hmm. I think. And so... I don't know. It was kind of a turning point. Hang
0: on, you missed a little bit on that because the first time we went under it, we didn't realize that we'd be going under it several times over the course of the night. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But when we eventually came to the point at which we were going underneath it for the first time... We weren't
1: together we for weren't some together. reason. We weren't together. One
0: of us was in the bathroom. The other one was...
1: So we ran to each <laughs> other. We, do you remember? We ran to each other and we ended up in this little hallway mm-hmm. of the boat and we kissed under the bridge as we went under it. And I remember thinking, thank God. And then we... <laughs> (laughs) Every time we went under it, the DJ said the same thing. And I thought, oh, we actually had 15 opportunities to get that kiss right. But um, not that I'm complaining. Mm.
0: Um, I'm sorry, Alexander. It's kind of gross. I know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He goes kissing. you, But yeah, that was kind of a turning point in our relationship. I think it was actually maybe it wasn't exactly on our one year together. It was a little after, but. We had just grown a lot in trust Mm. of each other, but me especially, like I had wounds that needed to heal and I was finally starting to really trust David and we were loving each other well and all of that. Everything was kind of falling into place and um, it was just a really exciting time and it's always so fun to dress up and go to a wedding or dress (laughs) up and go to dinner somewhere and so i think that's my favorite date that we've had
0: and one of the couples also on the boat voted us best dancers
1: (laughs) yes david is a really good dancer and so he was leading me all over the dance floor i think we did a little salsa and some other a
0: little bit of swing yeah a little little bit of foxtrot. (laughs) yeah yeah
1: oh you like to dance too
0: one of the other dates that we went on fairly early on we had a Picnic in one of the oh, parks. So that was about park.
1: a month or two in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that.
0: And it was kind of funny because. Did you
1: enjoy that date?
0: Absolutely, because you bought food.
1: <laughs> you my, guys, the women, I should say, women, the key to your man's heart is very simple food, smiles, <laughs> kindness. <laughs> Do those things.
0: (laughs) But you said afterwards that it was also a little bit of a test. Yeah. Because that was the first time you fed me Lebanese food.
1: Yeah. Well, I I thought if he likes this, then this is a really good sign for him with my family. Because it's delicious food. I mean, you'd be crazy not to like it. (laughs) But if you didn't like it or if you were turned out to be sort of a picky person who couldn't go with it and try something new i that kind of says a lot about the kind you know that wasn't the kind of person i was looking for Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: we took this picnic dinner to Sabita park and we had lamb i think yeah and Mm tabbouleh and um zata and i don't know what else i made but um it was delicious and garlicky and wonderful. And then I think we went and saw a movie after.
0: Yes, it was The Incredibles 2.
1: Yeah, that was really fun. Mm. And you passed the test. <laughs> Flying colors.
0: All I did was just eat what was put in front of me. Yeah. This is one of my main skills.
1: Now I know that I could literally feed you peanut butter on bread and you'd be very thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I, I still wanted to impress you. <laughs> Are you okay? We've got a little man still hanging in here with us.
0: Well, let's 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 move the clock forward mm-hmm. to proposal and marriage. At what point did you decide that you wanted to marry me?
1: Like four months in. Yeah, I, I think so. that's horrifying <laughs> too. I think uh, our timelines were different, but we know that well. And I think the only thing that matters is that we eventually got to the same place, but. About four months in, I I don't even need to go into it. But basically, we had an experience. And I just felt like David had my back. And just was, he was like, we were a team. Like, I felt so much like a team with him. And hmm. that was such a good feeling. And I, I just was like bursting with love for him. <laughs> um, and I just thought, this is the person. I wanna be on a team with this guy. This is amazing. I love how it feels to work together. I love how it feels to be together. And I thought we were really good together. And then obviously we dated a little while longer after that, about a year and a half before we got engaged. But that was when I knew I loved you.
0: It's funny that you say it like that because my process of thinking was actually very similar, but Mm. I just required a, a bigger data set. Yeah. I required it required more conversations more things for us to talk through and work through. And just the other day one of my friends he's dating a girl and he had some questions about some you know possible areas of friction between them. And I told him that these areas of friction this is this is this is where you find out what your marriage mm. is going to be like. Yeah. How do you treat each other when you disagree? How do you treat each other yeah. when you don't quite understand why the other person seems to be blowing this thing out of yes. proportion?
1: no exactly i mean how many how many of us have dated someone who when we say we're not feeling so sure about the relationship or we're just not feeling good in general they get super super angry and they end things or they act pretty disrespectful towards you that's their true colors you know Mm. um and i felt like when we were tested I could tell at times you were super frustrated, and I was super frustrated at times, but we, I think, were usually pretty respectful and Mm -hmm. kind, etc. And so that I knew throughout it all, even though I was frustrated, that I still wanted to be with you and I wanted it to work out. And honestly, a lot of it, (laughs) I just needed therapy for some things, and that was really helpful and going to therapy actually helped me to be a better girlfriend to you.
0: And we recently went to San Diego for a friend's wedding and I gave a toast there and one of the things that I said off the cuff as I was giving the toast was the fact that his approval of you when he first met you that went a long way. And I would say in our courtship my friends played a very important role mm. because as we were ta- as I was talking through our relationship with them, they were the ones that always, always came into bat for you. <laughs> and Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that that went a long way because I trusted my friends.
1: You know, and
0: and 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 they they reassured me the things that where I was nervous, where my wounds were, where the things that that scared me and wanted wanted to send me running for the hills. They were the people that that, that taught me back and said, No, 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 you're being ridiculous. Stop it.
1: Well, that's actually a really great point to bring up because uh, friends and family are really important. If you don't involve your friends and family when you're dating someone, I think it's a real missed opportunity because the insecurities that I felt around you when we started dating were because you were a potential future spouse, but your friends were not my potential future spouse. So I could just be a little bit more myself, honestly, around them right away. And they're funny, and they're kind, and they're smart, and so we just hit it off. And so I think they could actually see a little bit more of who I was when I could just relax. And I struggled to be relaxed with you for a little while because I just kept thinking, this is so important, I don't wanna mess it up. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, they were totally my allies in it. And I kept thinking, even if this goes south, I will be heartbroken, but I've met so many good people through David. and.
0: Yeah, I pretty much had to marry you if I wanted to keep all of my friends because you <laughs> have pretty much stolen them all.
1: <sighs>
0: well, let's move things forward to wedding and married life. Mm-hmm. How did That's that the go? Best. <laughs>
1: um Well, our wedding was a little crazy. We got married in the... Oh, I know. We got married in the midst of COVID, so we replanned the wedding a few times, mm-hmm. give or take five times. <laughs> but in the end, our wedding day was just absolutely perfect and beautiful. And I felt like the most beautiful woman in the world when David looked at me that day. And
0: Although I didn't cry. I'm sorry.
1: I know. I, I kind of wanted you to cry. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm a little dis... But you're you and you don't cry easily. So I didn't expect that, but... It was such a special day my with my dad, um, and oh, um, it was such a special day with my dad and all of our family, and, um, you know, we had to kind of Skype David's family in from England, which was really sad, to be honest, because we wanted them so much to be there with mm-hmm. us, but... We were really lucky that they were so willing to be there via video. So (laughs) we got them. That was awesome. And then we had a little home reception after, which was beautiful with dancing and delicious food and cake. And it was perfect. Mm. Um, And then marriage immediately um, was...
0: Just before we get to marriage... (coughs) Yes, thank you. Uh, (laughs) The main thing I'd say about our wedding day is I felt very present. Yes. I've been in lots of weddings in various parts and I, I know how easily it can just sort of like blur by or it's like one thing after another, after another, after another. But honestly, it felt like we went to church, we got married and then we had Daddy, dinner. Daddy,
1: Alexander wants yes. to talk about how he, he wasn't there yet. Okay,
0: we missed Alexander dreadfully <laughs> in anticipation. but you know it was we we went we went to the church we got married we we came and then we had dinner with our family and friends and
1: then we got to go to our home as many as many as we were allowed
0: and and then you know then
1: you drove us home to our condo yeah i i know i i feel the same way on honestly besides the lower bill on our wedding which was amazing (laughs) um I've it never was, never felt so rich. It was so <laughs> simplified that we were able to focus on each other. And, you know, people since have asked us, well, how did you do it so inexpensively? And it's like, really, how many things do you need to get married? I cared about having a pretty dress. I cared about us having good food.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and Which I was lo- amazing. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, Chaldean, Chaldean food. sort of Eastern Mediterranean style food and it was delicious easily. Best wedding food I've had at any wedding ever. And it was my own. And, and I and I got to go back for seconds and yes, I didn't have to ask any of, anybody for yes. permission. It's like I paid for this, I'm gonna go eat some more. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and I like I had this you know, even before I met David, the High Kings have the their I don't know if it's their song or a cover of a song. It's probably a cover of a song called Marie's Wedding. And I just wanted to dance to that at my wedding. Like, desperately wanted to dance to that with my family, especially with my little nephew, Drew. And I got to do that. And, yeah, it was just... It was so easy to just focus on each other. And I I didn't feel an urgency to, like, go and take photos or any of that. We did take some photos, but... How many photos do you need and how many do you look at? Honestly, most people end up, you know, printing one and putting it on their wall. Oh, honey, honey.
0: All right. We need to get beyond the wedding then into married life so we can talk about parenthood as well. I
1: know. Alexander's like, get to me. Get to my part. Marriage, I will just say, is joyful and sorrowful to the nth degree. Mm. And I've I've never been so happy in my life. I've never been so sad in my life. Uh, David and I lost a baby before Alexander, Olivia, and um, I think that pretty much wrecked our world. Mm. Um, we also just like had the fun of getting to know each other and like living together for the first time. Um,
0: Which I would say was very smooth.
1: Yeah. No, definitely moving in together was very smooth. We have similar lifestyles, I would say, like ways of living. And I'm a
0: little bit more of an early bird though, perhaps maybe
1: a little bit more of an early bird and a little bit neater if we're being honest, but not, you know, we both have strengths that help balance each other out. Um, and then we did our fair (coughs) with baby, we did our fair share of laughing at each other as we were trying to figure out how to love each other. (laughs) And I think that's really important. I didn't know it was important until we were laughing at each other <laughs> and at ourselves. Um, yeah. And then we got pregnant with Alexander and honestly, we just prayed every day that he would be healthy and strong. And he's the biggest gift that we've been given. And yeah, it's been a whirlwind, but I would not change a thing. What's been your favorite Memories of marriage, I guess.
2: Oh,
0: that is really difficult. I For me, it's the quotidian. It's the everyday that's, mm. the, that's the bit that I like the most. Whether it's just bringing you a cup of tea and some toast in bed, mm. which was something that we had a little bit of fight about before we got married as to whether or not such things were going to be allowed.
1: I'm going to blame this on my mom. <laughs> I was really, really trained to never bring food or drinks into my bedroom unless it was water because my mom is the most clean person in the world. And so she just knew crumbs and stuff would end (laughs) up under beds. So I felt like no way are we bringing food (laughs) in our bed in the morning every morning. But it's so lovely. And we have a tray. You know, we have trays that we bring tea and toast and things up on and we're careful and and we're adults who can wash our sheets and all of that so it's wonderful
0: if and when one of us does perhaps by accident spill the tea everywhere i haven't done it in a while well i think tea and toast is probably the perfect way to round this out Mm. thank you for coming on the show and thank you alexander
1: are you kidding me you have nothing to say now come on bubba
0: all right it's time for bed Oh ho! Okay, he doesn't look happy. We're gonna wrap this up.
1: Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I love you. I love you too.
0: Anything. <laughs> <laughs> and now we hand things over to Andrew.
2: Well, hello, Pints with Jack. We have just concluded the Eros chapter, and so I am here with my much better half, uh, the crowd favorite Kristen Ditchfield Lazo.
3: Well, it's great to be with you, honey.
2: Well, and it's a very special day. We are actually in Florida at uh, my in-law's dining room table where last night we celebrated uh, their 50th wedding anniversary. So we thought it would be perfect to record here. It's a beautiful orchid, it's lovely roses on the table. How much more arrows could we want?
3: (laughs) We've got the perfect atmosphere, that's for sure.
2: Well, we just wanted to spend just a a few minutes with you all telling you our story because uh, I think... More than, more than most, our story has everything to do with C.S. Lewis, and how we met, had a, Lewis had a lot to do with it. So when we meet him in heaven, we will have much to, uh, much to give him thanks for. Um, it kind of all began with a picture. Um, I had seen Kristen's book in years past, uh, The Family Guide to Narnia, but I didn't recognize her name. And I figured if I didn't recognize her name, arrogant as I am, why would I want to, you know, why would I, why should I buy this book? But even though I didn't buy her book, uh, I recognized the name from, I had seen it before and uh, noticed that her name was in part of a collection that I had been asked to contribute to. A friend of ours, Carolyn Curtis, uh, was an editor and a writer, and I had met her in some Lewis conferences and I had participated in a conference on Lewis and women. And, I actually was just in the crowd asking annoying questions, and so the next year, Carolyn put me on the panel. Um, Following that, she said, hey, I'm putting together a book on women in C.S. Lewis, and would you like to join?
3: Yes, and she, uh, Carolyn and I have been friends for years uh, as women authors and speakers, and uh, she asked me if I would contribute a chapter based on A Family Guide to Narnia looking at Lewis's female characters, his fictional characters, and exploring their character qualities and attributes and, and how they reflect Lewis's view on women. Uh, at the same time, unbeknownst to me, she'd asked Andrew to write a chapter on his area of expertise, which will be a surprise to no one uh, the novel Till We Have Faces.
2: Everybody take a drink.
3: <laughs> and how uh, the character of Oriol uh, illustrates Lewis's uh, approach and, and respect for uh, women. And so each of us contributed a chapter to this book, uh, but from our own respective homes and lives and ministries, and we didn't meet each other uh, in person until much later. The book had come out, and Carolyn was organizing interviews to promote it, and she asked us both. She invited each of us to be on a radio show uh, to talk about the book, and uh, that's how we met.
2: I remember the interview really well. It was December 5th, 2015, I had, of course, recognized her name, and then I looked her up on social media, and I thought, oh, she's pretty attractive. (laughs) That never hurts. Um, Couldn't find out whether or not she was single, and so uh, ended up doing some digging and, and found that out. So I just wanted to know a little bit about her, and then we were on the radio together for, oh, I think about 45 minutes, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, we, uh, we had to take turns because they couldn't have us both on at the same time. So each of us was listening online to each other's portion of the interview. And we tagged each other on social media, as one does, you know. Oh, great to be on the show with, what was that guy's name again? Oh, oh yes, Andrew Lazo. Great to be on the show with Andrew. <laughs> um, but immediately after ending the, uh, the broadcast and doing the uh, appropriate tagging and promoting, I got a friend request.
0: <laughs> and then you thought...
3: Oh no! <laughs> I I have run into a few a few uh, lonely guys over the years who reached out to me through Facebook Messenger uh, friend requests, and I thought, oh, I forgot to look and see if this guy was single, and I hope he's not just hitting on me. I've had some kind of unpleasant experiences with that, and I, so I determined to just um, to be aloof, friendly but aloof. You know, I didn't want to misread him, but I. I I wanted to be very cautious about our friendship and just uh, and see what see what would happen. But uh, I certainly wasn't expecting anything to come of it.
2: Well, I thought she made the first move because she tagged me on social media. So. <laughs>
3: That's all it took, yeah. huh?
2: <laughs> well. And we enjoyed a few back to back or back and forth messages on Facebook Messenger. But every time I suggested maybe we talk on the phone, she was like, Yeah, I got (laughs) to (laughs) go.
3: Well, I I didn't want to encourage you uh, because I wasn't sure what your motives were or what you were after. And I, like I said, I've had some bad experiences. And uh, I thought, Well, I just need to keep my distance. But it was, we found so much to talk about. We had so much in common. I was enjoying the conversation so much that despite myself, I kept getting drawn in. And then, uh, and then, you'd make a move and I think oh dear I know I, I need to step back
2: well and I don't know that I was necessarily making a move this point in my life I thought you know what I may be single for the rest of my life, but I have wonderful friendships and I have wonderful work that I believe in. And if that's the case, and if that's what the Lord has for me, I was really at a place where I was content with just having the rich filial relationships. And I was enjoying the fact that Kristen and I had so much in common. And so for me, it didn't feel like I was kind of making a move necessarily. It just, I was enjoying her intellect, I was enjoying her approach. And then it turns out that I was doing a little work for Max McLean in Florida, and I have family on both coasts, and as it turns out, I was going to be driving about four or five miles away from where Kristen lived.
3: Yeah, and uh, you suggested that we get together for for coffee, uh, for lunch or brunch or something, and talk Narnia, and uh, and again, there wasn't anything... You didn't make me uncomfortable anything that you did or said. I just was a little gun shy, Uh, just, just a little nervous about some, like I said, some of those. It's tough being single. It really is. And some of those relationships are tough to navigate. And is this a friendship or is it something more but i thought well what's the worst that can happen <laughs> and i had done all my christmas shopping and i didn't have a really good excuse so i thought well you know what let's let's give it a try and maybe best case scenario there's a you know there's a friendship there and we have good conversation we'll talk about narnia and who knows maybe we'll write another chapter in another book sometime
2: <laughs> we actually weren't really quite sure about where our attraction was uh, initially and literally, what I love to do when I wasn't teaching school, when I was on vacation, I love I loved cooking, I love food, so I picked a, a good restaurant, and I love talking about Lewis, which is sometimes rare enough. And those are two of my philia loves. And so sharing a meal with somebody, talking about Lewis with somebody who really knew, that to me, uh, the, the, my approach, at least as far as I could see... Uh, From my own perspective, it was one of, hey, this really is friendship. I can share the deep things with her. But when we sat down, we found out that not only did we share Lewis, the irony is, listeners, we didn't even talk about Narnia that time. It took us years to finally have our first (laughs) Narnia conversation because we had so much else in common.
3: That's right. We talked about all kinds of literature and poetry and reading. We're both huge readers. Um, we also talked about some of the heartaches and pain that we had both been through, different kinds of grief and loss, um, the challenges of being single and being a single adult in a ministry and and a career. We had both been teachers, and so we, just, we found so many things that we could connect with. And one of the things that really struck me about Andrew is that I could tell that he had— um, You know, he has a big larger than life personality, uh, but there's so much depth underneath that. And I could see that he had been through some pain and some hard things and that he had worked through those things in his faith and grown stronger because of them. And that intrigued me. I wanted to get to know uh, more of that side of him as well.
2: Well and it was uh, a pleasure to learn from you that you had gone through some difficult times and to hear how the Lord had been faithful to you. It was we had real talk. it was real mm-hmm. conversation. and even after that, I wasn't necessarily I didn't I don't think I, I went away from that meeting you know, kind of thinking, Oh, this is the one. Um, mm-hmm. I just was grateful that there was such a connection. In fact, we talked so long, I was supposed to pick up my aunt at work in Tampa <laughs> that day and, and, uh, had to call her and say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be late. Um, and then that night the text started.
3: That's right. I had recommended a book. Uh, uh, Jane Austen is one of my other passions in addition to Lewis. And I recommended Persuasion, which is my favorite, uh, I mean, it's hard to have a favorite, just like with Lewis, but one of my favorite of Jane's novels. And Lewis was a Jane Austen fan. I mentioned this to Andrew, and uh, I recommended the book. And to my surprise, he downloaded it immediately and then spent the next evening and the next two or three days sending me quotes from all the best parts.
2: <laughs> you know, it took me 25 years, forgive me, to uh, to finish Pride and Prejudice. I just didn't get the cleverness of it. You know, I started when I was 18. I finished it when I was 43. Um but when we were talking, Kristen said, "Oh, I'm sure you've read Persuasion." I said, "Oh, I haven't." She said, "It's one of the greatest love stories ever," and I said, "Well, I'm a sucker for a good love story," and I did. I downloaded that night. I, I texted her all all the funny bits, and and uh, it really it it really began to um, it kind of snowballed from there.
3: Yeah, we were talking and texting like teenagers back and forth. We had a, a voice app. Uh, Messaging app that we used, and uh, every morning I would wake up and Andrew had read me a poem <laughs> to start my day. And uh, we were talking way into the night, and even when we'd said, You know, I've got plans or I'm gonna be busy, um, we still found ways to message each other. And then we got to a point where we suddenly realized that there's something going on here. This is, this is pretty serious. And
2: she actually did pick up the phone when I, we, I got her phone number. I was allowed to, uh, to, to call her, the voice app that she recommended or that she recommended was called boxer. And it was a great way to kind of talk almost in real time, but also to, to send recorded messages. And, and so that was a great way. And in those, in those subsequent week and a half, there was just a lot of constant communication mm-hmm. and, uh, And then I found out that Kristen was actually coming to Texas for a writer's conference.
3: Yes, I was supposed to be there to speak at a retreat and participate uh, with a bunch of women authors and speakers. And uh, Andrew and I have been having such meaningful and deep conversations. Um, But we were getting to a point where it was like, okay, we have some other things that if if we're going to go forward, if this is something. If God is in this and it kind of feels like he is, then there's some conversations we need to have face-to-face. There's some deeper things we want to talk about if we want to even consider if this might be a relationship that God is calling us into. And if not, we need to not spend so much time talking and sending messages. We need to get on with our lives. Um, but uh, we decided that that we would get together. Andrew mentioned that he his 50th birthday was coming up, and he was having a big party with all of his friends and family. And... Uh, I decided, you know what? I can I can come into town a week early. I can stay with a friend and be there for his party because I feel like God is doing something here and it might be significant for me to be here at this moment in his life and for us to move forward in whatever this relationship was. Uh, so I flew in for my conference a week early and uh, wow, that was a powerful week that we spent.
2: You know, it, Lewis says in the uh, in the Eros chapter that that friendship can often turn to romance within the first 30 minutes. And in fact, will likely do so unless uh, the two people are loved elsewhere or are mutually repulsive. And of course, neither of those were true. <laughs> it really, the, the connection was immediately there. Um, and so I think it started as friendship, but it also you know, edged very close to Eros you know, right away. There was an availability there and a vulnerability, um, and, and that was happening.
3: You know, so, mm. sometimes people talk about uh, you know I, I I stopped looking and then magically the person appeared. Sometimes people <laughs> romanticize their stories, but I I think what really helped us, especially in that those early days, I mean it, it, it happened very quickly. In those early days, was that neither of us was was desperate. We had both had our hearts broken over the years. We both had had hopes and dreams that died, um, and some that were resurrected. But we knew better than to kind of um, I I think to to want to pursue a bad relationship or an unhealthy relationship. We knew we, didn't, we needed that like we needed a hole in the head. So if, if this was a God thing, if it was going to be a good thing, that would be awesome. But we weren't trying too hard. And so we, as, as well as we could, we tried to be our real honest selves and not put up any pretense. We weren't trying to impress each other. Uh, we weren't trying to make it into something. We were willing to see what God was going to do.
2: You know, that's really, I hadn't thought about that before. And that was another point of friendship, that we were both alone and that we both wished that we weren't alone. But we both had come to a point of contentment and satisfaction. And so there was this kind of angst and, and urgency to it. I also want to say, especially for our single listeners who wish that they weren't, there aren't any formulas. Uh, I, we tried them all between the two of us. And there really aren't uh, any formulas. They say the right one will come as soon as you stop looking. It's just a matter of being faithful to God from day to day and allowing God to do whatever he will do and giving thanks in all circumstances. For that's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And so I think we had come to a place for both of us where we were content with our lives. Nevertheless, we welcomed this glad friendship that seemed to be stirring with other things.
3: And having reached a place of contentment didn't mean that we were always content, uh, that it didn't still hurt to be single, that we weren't still uh, longing or or, um, lonely at times. Um, But reaching some place of maybe if, if not perfect contentment, some place of being willing to, to hold things loosely yeah. and to trust God that, that he was going to work things out. Um, that enabled us to be our real selves with each other and not be quite so desperate or anxious in our courtship process. So it, it's, not, it's not that we got to this place of maturity and then God said, okay, finally, you're ready. Um, I mean, some people get married and, and grow up. Uh, Some people grow up and get married. I think God works in a, a bunch of different ways. But for us, that's kind of how it unfolded.
2: Yeah, you know, not for me anyway, not perfect contentment and not blissful contentment every day. A lot of days it looked a little bit, a lot like grudging acceptance, Mm -hmm. but at least it was acceptance that, yes, Lord, I trust that you love me. I trust that you're working in my life. I don't understand why it's not the way that I want it to look. Nevertheless, I trust you and I know that you, nothing will get in the way of your love for me. And so that really helped me. So she came to Houston and she sat on the couch in my classroom and she watched me teach my classes all week because
3: well, I wanted to see if he was a good teacher. That's going to really stink if he's not.
2: That was going to be a deal breaker. <laughs>
3: Having been a teacher myself, and I also wanted to see—I uh, wanted to see how he interacted with a wide variety of people. I wanted to see what his relationships were like, if they were healthy. I wanted to see when he walked out of the room, how the students or his his coworkers talked about him. And you know, there were a lot of Andrew Lazo fans uh, on that campus. That he is a great guy, and that was uh, repeated by everyone that I met. I saw that he had a lot of great good healthy relationships with a lot of people who really admired and respected him and appreciated him this was important particularly because we got to know each other so quickly and we i mean it was a matter of a week or two Mm -hmm. uh, from the time that we first met and only i think three weeks from the radio interview yeah and we were already thinking that, that something serious was afoot here. And so because we didn't live in the same city and we didn't, uh, we didn't get to see each other every day and we hadn't known each other very long. It was really important to me to see that there were other people who could vouch for you. And, and we did have a lot of friends in common. Yeah. It turned out uh, a lot of people that we knew and, uh, and that was really helpful in getting to see the real you and, uh, boy, by the end of the week,
2: things were stirring. And, uh, it just was it, that's when i just i realized that i was absolutely falling in love in a way that i had never understood before it was just it was ridiculous like it 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 overwhelmed me so much that i got angry at my married friends for not telling me what a great thing that was going on uh, in between married partners I just had no sense of what being in love was like until, un, until I had met Kristen. So at the end of the week, I had to drive her out to her conference and we were on our way to visit some family she had in town. And I don't, uh, she did something sweet. She, uh, she said something sweet, did something sweet. And I just said, and it felt like the most natural thing in the world. I wasn't planning on it. I said, will you marry me? <laughs> and, and she said,
3: yes. And yes,
2: I, I had to pull the car over because the Holy Spirit, bam, was just all over that car. We were both in tears. Um, yeah. We both had no idea what we had just done, but then we knew exactly what we had just yeah. done. And it just made sense. So it was 17 days that it took us to, uh, to get engaged. Yeah. Now, when we talk to young people...
3: We always tell them we got engaged after 17 days, but we knew that we did not know each other nearly well enough to get married right away. So we waited a whole year. We set our our wedding date for a year from the time that we got engaged so that we would have time to really get to know each other, uh, visit back and forth. I was in Florida, Andrew was in Houston. We wanted to get to know each other's family and friends. We wanted time for premarital counseling, which we highly recommend. Um, Even as old as we were and mature as we were and experienced as we are in relationships, relationships and communication it's still an epic thing and so we we made time uh, to really do that to spend the next year together
2: it was great and getting to know her family was fantastic we tried to let it be no more than six weeks without seeing each other and you know a lot of southwest and and uh (laughs) and and catching a plane on the weekends or whatever um but it was a it was a joy and um the 17 days didn't phase Kristen's family at all because as we heard yesterday in this very room where we're recording um Kristen's mother and father and actually one of her one of her aunts and uncles had gotten engaged after 11 days (laughs) now we don't we don't suggest this as policy but for us It really worked. We could see what was what was happening, but we also then took that next year, and we got married on one seven seventeen. So it took us seventeen days to get engaged, and we got married on January seventh, twenty seventeen. Since then, it's all been flowers and bliss, right? Living with me is just so easy. Hearts
3: and candy, and you know, it's poetry every day. (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, the fun thing is, we started out with a lot of poetry, a lot of great literature, uh, finding all these things that we had in common, and we're so full of romance and symbolism and. And uh, we share some of that uh, in our wedding website and with our in interviews and things. Um, we went all out for the symbolism and the poetry and the metaphor of it all. Uh, but then, there, then there's the reality of two sinners living under the same roof and uh, doing life together, and that's been challenging. It's been good, but it's been challenging. Well,
2: it's two sinners traveling together. Too. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's the worst.
2: Oh my gosh, that's part of why you go on a honeymoon because traveling is stressful. And Chris and I do things in very different ways, and so. Yeah, yeah, we have a number of cathedrals all over England where I made her cry. Um,
3: <laughs> I joke about that—that that I cried in every cathedral in England when we went over for the Lewis Conference. But what it—what I did is I lit candles and I prayed that God would help us to learn to communicate and and learn to know each other in a not beyond the romance of it, beyond the 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 eros, into that Storgi and philia. Um, and and agape, we really needed the agape love of God to to bear with each other and learn to under, understand each other and overcome the, the disagreements and the challenges that are part of, of of relationship.
2: Well, and that's one of the things that we'll talk about in this last chapter of the book, is how agape or agape steps into the natural loves and strengthens the natural loves. And so when I'm not feeling particularly romantic or swept away, the the encouragement to continue to care for and cherish. Uh, deliberately cherish, and, and Kristen does that for me. It happens when you're sick, it happens when we're not in the right mood, whatever. Um, and that's one of the things that we have seen her parents bear witness to for 50 years, is yes, the romance is still there and the affection is still there. A lot of that has subsided into being a family. You know, There's a lot of Storgi, and we can see when we look at mom and dad what Lewis meant that Storgi is responsible for nine-tenths of the solid you know, goodness or pleasure in in the world.
3: Well, now that we've been married five years, um, you know, which is not a long by my, by many standards, but it's still, after five years, we have a life that we've cultivated together. We have we were alone for much of our our lives and had these whole histories behind us, but now we have five years, six years, counting our engagement, of memories that we have made together and parts of each other's lives that we've borne witness to, and and that creates a family, um, an affection of its own that nobody else has been there through through these things with me other than you and and you for me so
2: well she's got a large family but there are now four nieces and nephews and two more on the way um and Kristen is fond of pointing out to me and i'm grateful that she does that they will never have a world where there wasn't an uncle andrew and uh as ironic as being uncle andrew is if you've read (laughs) the magician's nephew to be part of this family and to be welcomed in um is uh, is marvelous. I got for Christmas, one of my gifts was uh, a, a custom-made apron and it said, Brother, Father, uh, Brother, Father, Uncle Andrew. <laughs> um, because of my coming priesthood and, mm. and all the rest. But, to be welcomed in, you know, I found this kind of ocean of story, which was not a very strong love for me. My family has been distant and, and, and difficult. And so the other loves come in. You know, I think one of the ways that um, we've discovered a lot of things that we didn't know that we liked. Um, mm-hmm. And so Kristen, Kristen's family loves over Christmas to do puzzles. And her brother Nate especially has puzzle trays and we do, we do puzzles. And so that's something that we have imported into our Eros puzzles. Mm -hmm. So we brought it over from Kristen's family. So that's story. But now we'll go through Barnes and Noble and we'll pick out, you know, I love Vincent Van Gogh. And so we've got a Van Gogh puzzle. We've got a Jane Austen puzzle that we're working on right now. And so that's a way that you can add philia to eros. And when we're sitting at the end of the day working the puzzle, it's not, you know, hearts and flowers and romance. We're chatting about our day and we're just investing our lives together. But that little puzzle table and the chairs that we got are part of our Part of our home life part of our household life
3: right we're thankful for all the things that that we do share that we do have in common because the way we think is very different and the way that we do things is very different but having uh, having that philia and, and that Storgi um, helps us, I think, in those moments when the Eros is, is on the down, is waning, or when we really need that agape love. Um, you know, just having these things in common that has bonded our hearts. And we actively look for things that we can do to strengthen that bond.
2: Well, and this is one of those as well. We've been grateful to have Kristen on with Pints with Jack. We're looking forward to, I think, it's, is it Horse and His Boy this season? And so our listeners are clamoring for Kristen to come back. We just got to teach on... Uh, on Lewis at our at Sunday school together and teaching together, even though we have kind of different styles, has been another way that, that we have grown. What we mostly want to to say is that our love is a testimony to God's faithfulness mm-hmm. um, to us in the midst of our difficulties and longings and and absences and 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 grief, um, and in the midst of our joys and the and the loves that we that we have. Uh, this has been a way that God has been incredibly faithful, and. There was a lot of waiting involved and there were a lot of uh, a lot of sad years involved. But um, and and there has been some sadness, you know, since since we got married. But it's also a way where we can keep going out of ourselves towards the other. And when we remember to do that, it makes for a pretty nice day.
3: Absolutely. And um, as one of my other favorite poets, Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, God's gifts put man's best dreams to shame. Hmm. And that's certainly been true. You are a gift to me.
2: Hmm. Oh, and you're a gift to me and you bring so much else with me too. So it's lovely to be here with your family celebrating, uh, celebrating love. And, uh, and it's great to tell you listeners our stories. And, and we get lots of people who come up to us and say, oh, my daughter has been single for all of these years. And, you know, your story gives us hope. Well, it gives us hope too. Yes. Uh, to remember that God has never forgotten us, we're never off His mind. He always exults over us with singing. So, I love that our story is a little bit like uh, like Jack and Joy's story. It's a belated uh, story. Late have I loved thee, I think uh, Augustine said, but uh, but right on time. So, so that's a little bit of our story, and we uh, we look forward to plunging through the rest of our book together. And look forward to having Kristen join us again. Uh, if you want to, the, the, your website still has has all of that, right?
3: It does. We, you know, this is, The kids are doing it these days, putting your, your love story on a wedding website. And we did that so that all our friends and family could follow along and hear our story. And then I uh, took the text and the pictures and the things that we shared there and put them on my own website. So on kristenditchfield.com and my name is spelled like Christ in KristenDitchfield.com. You'll find our, our love story, and you can read all the things that we shared when we were newly engaged, and just full of poetry. Yes.
2: Well, there's more poetry to come. I gave her for Christmas a card, uh, promising her some some uh, some time with a blanket out uh, out in the sunshine in the springtime and some poetry, and. Um, and so we're happy to share that with you It's also kind of a Pinterest dream wedding. Yes. So we had lots of, lots of touches and flourishes that, uh, that some of you may enjoy. So thanks for spending some time with us and letting us, uh, exult in our, our love. And we pray that God will continue to reveal his love in all of the relationships that you have in, in, in your life and even reveal his love and his faithfulness and his steadfast hope in the absence and longing, because ultimately we are not home here. And until we get to our heavenly home, we won't be fully complete in His love. So we await that day, and thank you for joining us. So signing off, it's Andrew Lazo.
3: And Kristen Lazo. uh,
2: And Pinesfoot Jack, and uh, thanking you for joining us.
0: I hope you'll enjoy that peek into the Bates and Lazo households. Thank you all for joining us today, and thank you for your continued support. Particularly our top-tier Patreon supporters, Thomas, Deborah, Anonymous, Bill and Joanna, Snort, Bud, Shane, John, Kevin, Brian K, Paul, Kimberly, Gillis, Gary, Stephen, Matt, Kelly, Chris, John, James, Kate, Peter, David, and Rowdy. And please join us next time. Moon will be going further up and further in. Cheers!